Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Such a beautiful morning, and I'm so happy to be back with you today as we head into this brand new month, celebrating our amazing freedoms this 4th of July weekend. I always say this is the one weekend of the year where I can figure out who doesn't own a condo or a cabin or a boat or an RV because we're the only ones here, right? Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And I pray that for every person within the sound of this message. Lord Jesus, please don't allow us to misuse or abuse the freedoms that we celebrate this weekend in. Keep us from taking them for granted. Help us to always remember they are a treasure given to us by you alone, a deeply rare and valuable gift that you've granted this nation in ways that no other people in history have ever been blessed. And Father, forgive us for our pride, for our selfishness, for our lack of love for and concern for others around the world who are hurting and suffering and change that. Help us to never place our love of being Americans with so many rights and privileges above our love and devotion to you. And as we rejoice over the many good and wonderful things our nation has been able to accomplish, let us remember and give thanks for those who make and have made in the past those sacrifices making it possible. And also, Jesus, let us balance this with the recognition that as a nation, We've done wrongly too many times in our history. There's still so much that needs to be changed and corrected and give us understanding that with this great freedom comes great responsibility to care about others, those who've been hurting, who are mistreated, misunderstood, or marginalized. And give us hearts for those who don't yet know you as Lord and Savior, Father, as we celebrate these over 225 years of freedom you've given us. And as we watch the fireworks and hear the star-spangled banner and put a hand over our heart, Jesus, let us be humbled that you would care so much about the USA. And let us be filled with the Holy Spirit to know that for each and every one of us, there's so much left to do for your kingdom, which will soon become our eternal nation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we start this morning in Matthew 38, uh, 538, excuse me. You've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken, give your coat too. If a soldier demands you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Okay, that's pretty much it. You're dismissed. Just uh, head out the door and do all those things all day, every day for the rest of your life. Class dismissed. That's it. Don't we wish it was that easy? Just for fun, kind of, I've titled today's lesson, Jesus Said Hard Things. We're back in the series. I've titled the red letters, focusing on 
today some of the hard things Jesus said in what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, one of his longest teaches, uh, teachings, and the one that has had the most overall effect on not just the church, but also the rest of the world since then. And this particular message has shaped so much of all of civilization like no other message ever from any other person for over 2,000 years. Now, speaking of hard things, uh, there are plenty here today. The points he makes are critical to our foundational relationship and understanding of being right with God. How we can be part of his kingdom, both now and forever. We can't earn it. It's a free gift, but we have to participate. Jesus helps us correctly interpret and understand Scripture so that we can learn to actually live our lives by applying the Word of God to everything that we think, do, and say each and every day. And honestly, a lot of what we've talked about so far in this series and everything we're going to cover today is hard. It's very difficult. Ideas and concepts that honestly... I'm still working on. And some of what we read in Scripture is difficult because all of our lives, the world has systematically trained us to do things their way. And in many cases, even the church at large has taught us otherwise through a wrong understanding or misapplication of Scripture. Not to be critical of any church, that's just our human nature. It's hard to change our natural instincts, our instinctive way of looking at things. It's hard to believe we can actually do things in the way Jesus described. It's hard to imagine that we are held to such a high and holy set of standards when God knows that we're weak and sinful by nature. But hold on, because these teachings are not intended to condemn us, and they're certainly not intended to make us feel like giving up because they're impossible. Most important, we're not taught these things because our Lord is mean or demanding. We know that's not true. It's not because he enjoys placing unrealistic expectations on his kids and watching them fail, but simply because he loves us. He wants what's best for us and he desires for us to become more like his son, Jesus. And like a loving father, he's simply showing us a better way. And more than that, Jesus is showing us, teaching us his way to kingdom living. Now, nearly everything we'll cover today comes from the term said," which we have roughly translated as loving kindness. And that word has said keeps coming up in this series. I, I first found it in Rabbi Russell Resnick's book, Divine Reversal, and I've used it repeatedly over the past weeks. It's an ancient Hebrew term that is used extensively in the Old Testament to show the true heart of our Lord. Pastor Mark uh, last week used it here, and, and our Lord used it often. As an example, said shows up 26 different times in Psalm 136 alone. The simplest way to describe has said is that it's a very special kind of love, a way of interacting with others that goes way above the norm. The person expressing has said does a lot more than is 
required, way above and beyond what is expected. And I think a good example could be Old Testament sacrifice. It required staying strictly within the confines of a lot of very detailed rules. There are a lot of Old Testament scriptures describing the exact requirements. When the Jews wanted to make a sacrifice to God, they had to pay attention, and the priest made sure everything was done according to what was written. The animal itself had to meet certain standards of perfection, no obvious blemishes. Then the act of sacrifice had to be done just so, with very specific instructions about what to do with the blood, the fat, the meat, the waste, everything. And it's accurate to say that making a sacrifice required doing things by the book. We use that term a lot, right? We, we, we think that's a good way to live, and it generally is. But said is willing to stretch the rules to deliver abundant compassion to the people of the book. And here are two great examples of how Jesus exemplified living a life of said. The first is out of Mark 2.23. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples started breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus reminded them King David had broken the law by eating sacred bread that was supposed to be reserved only for the priest, but he did it to feed his hungry companions. And then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath, as said. Uh, next, in chapter 3, we read that Jesus noticed a man in the synagogue with a, a deformed, misshaped hand that he really couldn't use. He knew the Pharisees were watching, waiting to accuse him again of breaking the Sabbath law by working on that day. But Jesus healed the man anyway. And he asked him, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this the day to save a life or to destroy it? And they wouldn't answer him. And he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Yes, the law demanded that no work of any kind be performed on the Sabbath, but the Pharisees and other religious leaders took that to ridiculous extremes and details. It didn't matter if soldiers were hungry and had no food, no harvesting. Who cares if this man can't use his hand? It's against God's law to heal him today. The rules require he wait until tomorrow. The law was given so mankind could know he was doing things by the book has said, is willing to stretch the rules in loving kindness to deliver abundant compassion, I repeat, to the people of the book. And when we hear of examples of a said through the word of God, it quite often seems impossible for us to do because of our nature, our selfish and sinful human desires. And for some funny reason, I guess God just has a great sense of humor. The natural way we want to do things doesn't often seem to jive with the supernatural way God repeatedly teaches us to respond. So again, the title of today's message is Jesus Said Hard Things. But I want you to be encouraged because 
Jesus explains them to us in order to make this life and the eternal life to follow much more fruitful in our personal relationship with God and with each other and with all those outside of our fellowship. Let's take a little closer look line by line. Back to Matthew 5.38. Jesus said, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now he's actually quoting just part of Exodus 21.23. Let's read that. The punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. That's right. You hit me, and I'm going to hit you back. Knock out my tooth, and I'm going to knock out yours. Now, you can believe everyone understood this Old Testament law. They might not have known another other single line in Scripture, but they knew this one. The one causing the injury should be injured in the same way that you injured me. And not only am I going to get even, the law is going to back me up. And even to this day, about 5,000 years later, that's still the general understanding of that line. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is one of the world's most universally understood and used phrases. Ironically, because mankind is so different from what God is, who he is, and what he intended, the truth is that phrase is one of history's most misunderstood. The Old Testament permitted proportionate retribution. God's idea was actually to prevent punishment from exceeding the severity of the original offense. Our natural desire is revenge, payback. And it's rare that anybody's actually satisfied getting even, right? You kill my sheep, I'm going to wipe out your whole flock. Our normal reaction is to want to hurt them even worse than they hurt us. And it very often leads to ongoing escalation between individuals, families, people groups, even nations that can go on for decades, even centuries. Look at the situation with the Jews and the Arabs in the Mideast today. And we don't have to point to another country to see that happening, do we? Jesus was pointing out that if they had really known the Old Testament scriptures, they would understand revenge was not theirs to take. Proverbs 24, 28 says, And don't say, now I can pay them back for all their meanness to me. I'll get even. Our human nature is to only remember the part of the law that we like, right? Because there's plenty of mercy and grace written in the Old Testament. It is just consistently and conveniently overlooked by all of us. God's purpose with the phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was actually an expression of limitation and mercy. And by the way, the authority to administer the penalty was given to the government, not the individual. And it instructed judges to make the punishment fit the crime, not to give anyone license for revenge. And this is kind of interesting. At that time in world history, this was a pretty new way of thinking. It was a great advance in civilization. But way back then, and sadly still today, mankind hears that scripture the way they want to hear it. We misuse the phrase to justify our vendettas. I'm only doing to him or her what they did to me. 
Leviticus 19.18 is another one of the many scriptures telling us that's wrong. Never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. Okay, back to today's scriptures in Matthew 5.39. The next thing Jesus said stunned a lot of people that were listening that day. But I say do not resist an evil person if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. To most of the Jews of this time frame, this was incredibly offensive. Jesus was supposedly the Messiah, and the common understanding was that the Messiah was going to free them from the terrible oppression of Roman rule, even if it meant leading an armed insurrection. And anybody that was going to turn the other cheek was not the military leader they needed or wanted. They hated the Romans. They were heavily taxed, treated very poorly, and they had to live by the rules of the conquering army. Forced labor was a fact that everybody had to accept, like it or not, humiliating as it was, a Roman soldier could at any time in any place order you or you or you to carry my gear for a mile. Doesn't matter if you're cooking dinner or you're late for work or whatever it is, you had to do it. And in my study this week, I read this. Jesus went beyond the law to a higher righteousness by abolishing retaliation altogether. He showed his disciples that whereas getting even was once legally permissible, now non-resistance was graciously possible. Jesus instructed his followers, us, to offer no resistance to an evil person. If they were slapped on one cheek, they were to turn the other to the offender also. And then he takes it a big step further teaching us to go above and beyond what is normally accepted. If you lose your shirt by court order, offer to give them your coat too. If an official or member of the military forces you to carry his equipment for a mile, offer to carry it too. Don't look at me like that. I told you Jesus said hard things. And isn't it ironic that for a lot of us who consider ourselves motivated individuals that going above and beyond what is expected is not a problem at any job we want to do well at or in a sport we wish to excel in to stand out from the competition or in a romantic relationship that is just beginning but when we imagine being offended or mistreated or ruled against in a court of law going above and beyond what we are told we have to do never naturally enters our mind. I pray that after this message today, it will at least start to. We're hoping to plant some seeds. Of all the hard things that Jesus said that we're going to go over this morning, the last command in this paragraph may be one of the most difficult of all. Verse 42, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Bible commentator William McDonald says, our obsession with material goods and possessions makes us recoil at the thought of giving away what is ours. However, if we were just willing to concentrate on the treasures of heaven and be content only with necessary food and clothing, we would 
accept these words more literally and willingly. This gets into a very tricky area. How do we know the person asking has a genuine need? It's impossible to know if the need is legitimate in every case. I am blessed with the responsibility of overseeing our compassion ministry here at New Covenant Church. And I struggle with this very thing at times because we're on a main thoroughfare that's very close to a, a federal interstate. We are a regular target of people who travel from town to town and church to church, very experienced in knowing what to say and how to present it, so incredibly good at it that you have no clue that their story isn't true. And there's an old standard that, well, it's better to help 20 scammers than to turn away even one person in real need. And we really do try to live by that. It's not our money to give away. We are just the stewards. And it's a team of people that do this, but I oversee it. You donated it to us in the first place, and you expect us to watch over it carefully to make sure it gets to the right people for the right reasons, and most importantly, that it's given to them in the right way, with, with the right heart. Now, we rarely ever have a problem with those in our church family who come to us for help. We, we know them personally, and we, we pray with them and minister with them and, and, and see them at church and in Bible studies, and we, we understand their situations. And most of those truly in need are, are normally kind of shy and bashful. They, they, they hate to even ask for help, even when they really need it. And we try to be very careful about never embarrassing anyone who asks for assistance. And, and whether it's food or a tank of gas or a little help with utility bills that have piled up or past due rent. And, and that's been a big one lately. We're heading into a sudden, dangerous, rather explosive situation in our economy. Huge price jumps in, in a lot of things. And, and especially rents, gas, food too, but, but the rents. We have a number of single moms with three to five kids who rentals have gone up to thirteen to fifteen hundred dollars a month for little old places. And, and these are people who normally don't make much more than maybe twelve, thirteen dollars an hour. And you do the math. Forty hours, if they can get that much work every week at twelve dollars an hour, equals nineteen hundred bucks. And if your rent's fifteen hundred, that's not much left over to live on. So we <laughs> We literally love and cherish our opportunities to share God's money given to us through the goodness of your hearts with those in our family who need a little bit of extra help. And in addition, we do our best to help those perfect strangers as much as we possibly can. I can promise you that many times I've been lied to and taken advantage of. We try to be careful, but just can't completely avoid it if we are to practice the hased of Jesus. And I, I always say I would rather stand before Jesus on Judgment Day and be guilty of being cheated or taken advantage of a thousand times than being guilty of even once being stingy, which God has so happily given to us through your generous donations. Now, of course, um, this goes well beyond helping strangers, and I think there's a lot of personal application for all of us here today. Most of us are much more likely to be asked by someone close to us, a family member or a friend in need. And I encourage each of us to pray deeply about this passage and our attitude towards it 
in the days to come. I'll repeat it. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now we all know that there are a lot of Old Testament scriptures and even some new warning us against borrowing money or possessions. But when someone you know or love comes and asks for help, I promise that is not the time to quote those scriptures to them. Okay? It's not going to help the situation. Maybe later as they make efforts to repay you or, or change their practices, then might be an appropriate time to kindly offer to help them learn biblical principles for handling money if it's needed so they won't get back into the same situation again. But don't assume they're doing something wrong. A lot of people are doing everything just right and still run into problems and issues and tragedies. Another Bible verse advises us to just give them the money without any expectation of it ever being returned. That's Luke 6.35. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend them without expecting to be repaid. Now they may say, oh, thank you so much, I'll pay you back right away as soon as I can. Count it as a true blessing and a gift if they actually do, because it's rare. Don't expect it to happen, but don't allow hardness to come into your heart when they don't, because honestly, most won't. And if they do, why not set it aside squirrel it away and consider it an extra gift from God for the next person who comes to you in need. So let's do a, a quick little review of some of these hard things Jesus said so far today. We are to turn the other cheek. We are to give them our coat in addition to the shirt that we've been ordered to hand over. We are to offer to happily go with them two miles carrying all their stuff instead of just one. And we are to give to all of those who ask. And we cannot just feel it's impossible and give up and not even try. Dallas Willard says, I think it is perhaps these four statements more than any other that cause people to throw up their hands in despair or sink into the pit of grinding legalism, depression. This is because the situations referred to are familiar, and they can only imagine Jesus is laying down laws about what they have to do, regardless of what else may be at issue. All has changed when we realize these illustrations of what a certain kind of person, the kingdom person, will characteristically do in the situation. They are not laws of righteous behavior for those who are personally imposed upon or injured. They are not laws for the obvious reasons that they don't cover every case and situation. And additionally, if you read them as laws, you'll see that we could obey them in the wrong spirit. And a good example of a bad spirit would be, I'll turn the other cheek for now, but you better never ever turn your back on me and I'm going to knock your head off someplace down the road. He's not saying that we must turn the other cheek again and again, day after day, or that we must allow ourselves to be beaten up or abused physically or sexually or, or even verbally. And, and nowhere does he say that we should ever stand by and allow that to happen to someone else, especially someone defenseless like a, like a child or, or, or an elderly person or, or anyone who's weak and overpowered. Nowhere does he say that we should stand by and be passive to anything 
that happens to others. Or that if someone purposely kills our dog, that we should happily offer them our cat. Now, some of us, with our attitudes about cats, might be tempted on that one. I do love cats. They just don't love me. Jesus is teaching us to think about, to learn about, responding differently. Of responding instead with hesed. We continue in Matthew 5, 43, where guess what? Jesus says more hard things. You have heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Now again, this is almost the opposite. Too many faithful Christians take this passage as just some sweet-sounding platitudes that are absolutely impossible to live up to. That's not the truth, I promise. Jesus means this. He not only taught us the Lord's loving way of thinking and acting, He lived it. He demonstrated it. More importantly, He expects us to learn to do the same. Jesus daily watched the Pharisees wrongly twist Old Testament scriptures like Leviticus 19 and Psalm 139 and 140 into instructions to hate those who hate or hurt us. So he pointed out that God the Father gives wonderful blessings to everyone on earth regardless of their worthiness. Think about it. One of the best known of those wrong-spirited Pharisees was a man known as Saul of Tarsus. Scripture says he was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He prosecuted, imprisoned, and killed countless Jewish followers of Jesus. God had every reason to hate Saul. He was an enemy of the church, declared himself as such. Yet Jesus loved this evil man so much that he personally appeared to him in a, a vision and as a result, Saul gave his life over to serving Jesus for the rest of his life as Lord and Savior. Jesus changed his name to Paul, who ended up being the author of the largest part of our New Testament scriptures. Back to the body of the scripture today, verses 45-46. Hard things Jesus said. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. God knows it's only natural for us to hate our enemies. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die a cruel, painful, undeserved death on the cross. In the life he lived, Jesus showed us the way to truly love even our enemies right up to his very last breath. And he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. And I ask, Lord, give us the supernatural ability to do exactly the same. This next verse is really hard. Verse 48. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
should be easy because all, all our non-Christian friends constantly tell us, are you Christians? I'll think you're perfect, right? We know the truth. We know we're not. And the fact that we know we're so imperfect and that it's so difficult to get to that point that this, again, seems, sounds impossible. But the context of this word perfect doesn't mean we are flawless or without sin. The verses we just read explain that to be perfect means to love those who hate us, to pray for those who persecute us, and to show kindness to both friends and enemies. And perfection in this case is an ongoing, growing case of spiritual maturity that enables us as Jesus' followers to imitate him as we hand out blessings, undeserved or not, to everyone we come into contact with. We will never, ever be perfect until that moment, right after our heart stops on this earth, when we are glorified and finally perfected into heaven for eternity with the Lord. Yet we are to continue our hour-by-hour, day-by-day concentration on living a life that pleases Jesus. We are never to just accept our spiritual imperfection as Oh, well, that's just the way it is. Somebody I love very much recently told me, I'm just too old to change. We are to recognize our flaws and shortcomings and work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit towards becoming more like Jesus every minute of every day. It's a long walk, and we have to take it step by step, and we can never give in or never give up. Now, here's what I'm hoping that you'll do this week. Apply some soap. Clean up your act, will you? No, we have uh, a list of S-O-A-P-P, which I like to use as scripture, observation, application, prayer, and practice. And this will work in any situation when we're studying scripture because knowing it doesn't do any good if we don't understand it and understanding it does no good if we don't try to live it and we have to love it to live it in the right way because the Pharisees knew the word but their hearts were hard and that's the truth with many of us today we went over Bible verses that talked about what to do when we have an eye poked out, when someone slaps us in the face, when we lose a court case, when we're asked to do something unfair or inconvenient. Uh, Giving to anyone who asks for anything and loving our enemies as if they were our neighbors. And, And because application of Scripture is so important, let's go over these examples before we wrap up today. Anyone here have an eye poked out recently? been slapped in the face, lost a court case, and been ordered to to pay a big settlement, had a soldier or police officer demand that you do something inconvenient? I expect not. I hope not. But please don't leave here today thinking that none of this applies to us. If we look carefully and pray, God will show us the way to use these lessons from Jesus in our life. And, and, and let me speak personally for just a couple minutes. 
It's been a long time since my fighting days, since anybody physically hit me or slapped me. But over the past couple weeks, I, I, I felt like people I care about and deal with a lot sort of symbolically slapped me in the face. And in the, in the Bible, there are several examples of a slap in the face being an example of disrespect or dishonor or embarrassment being conveyed to the one receiving it. And in the Bible, most of the time it was done in public as a way of basically saying, you're, you're unworthy of my consideration. And I, the details aren't important. That's not the point. All, all that is needed to try and apply it to this message is that my natural response, my first instinct, was to fight back, just like we've talked about all morning. And thankfully, I didn't. I don't think I did. I, I don't think I really responded at all at the start. But shortly after becoming aware of, of, of what, it, what had happened and, and what had gone on, a roller coaster of emotions just took over. Bewilderment and frustration and some anger and disappointment. And my mind at times raced with things that I could say or do to fight back, to show that I was right and they were wrong. And thankfully, I, I was aware enough for once to go into deep prayer and time in the scriptures day after day. But no more would I get myself settled down and feeling much better than someone would call and ask or the evil one would, would start shooting uh, flaming darts into my mind to start the process all over. I believe with all my heart that God in His perfect timing had me scheduled to teach on this very subject this very week. There are no accidents. It's not a, a coincidence. I can't stand up here and be a hypocrite trying to teach you something about living life one way when I feel another. And as I worked on the sermon day by day, these scriptures convicted me over and over that my thought process was wrong. I got beat up this week. Thankfully, just spiritually, not physically. And yes, the actions and inactions that, that caused this situation to my way of thinking, I, I, I feel were wrong. I don't, I don't feel that, 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 it, that it should have happened the way that it did, but these scriptures made it clear that my natural instincts on how to react, my inner desire to get even, or what I should say to diss them, like I felt they had dissed me, were also very, very wrong. And we all know two wrongs never make a right. We've all told that to our kids. We have to tell it to ourselves each and every day. So it's been a long 10 days, but through prayer and, and again, time in His Word and contemplation, I've made a lot of progress, and I've been blessed to talk with, with some of those. And, and I can honestly say every single one of them is a, a good and devoted follower of Christ who means very well. And I never, ever did feel that what they did or, or, or said or any of it was meant to make me feel the way I do, but still it was hard. And I, and I have a lot of confidence and support from others who I lean on as uh, much more mature Christians than I am, that I, that I lean on as mentors and disciplers, that, yeah, it wasn't handled in the right way, but I have to come to trust and believe that those involved did their best and had no intent. To, to make me feel the way that I did. You must be perfect as your Father is perfect. I'm not there yet. Not even close. 
Not by a long shot. So I can't expect anyone else to be there yet either. I'm so grateful to Jesus for putting this lesson in my path this week because uh, I needed it. And it's helped me to grow in my love and appreciation for his word. Still got a long ways to go to put this all to bed in my head, but everyone has already been forgiven in my heart, and I pray deeply that my wrong thoughts and any, anything I may have said or done that was improper in God's sight that was offensive to them will be forgiven too. But good solid progress has been made and I've come to feel tremendously better through repetition and application of these scriptures and I pray those I've communicated with are, are also doing better since we've, we've spoken. God has a purpose for everything that happens in every one of our lives, both the fun and the easy as well as the unpleasant and the difficult. And I feel I've, I've offered my other cheek and I will continue to do so. And I'm trying to give more than is expected and to do more than is required. And I pray that, that Jesus agrees. But this part of this lesson, is honestly, I, I apologize, it's not about me. I'm sure that a lot of you have been disrespected or have felt insulted or disregarded or whatever in ways that are much worse, in ways that are a lot more important in your personal lives, whether it's your, your spouse or your child or your parents or your boss, or your co-workers. And I encourage you, I urge you to take these scriptures and apply them to your life starting today and every day in the days to come. And don't give up. Don't believe that they're impossible. They are on our own by ourselves. But Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Jesus said it, and I believe it. Don't you? It's true. And it's about us looking at the scriptures, making a careful observation of the situation, applying them in our life, and then practicing and praying. We've got to do it over and over to get better at it. And this is Jesus going back to the earlier parts of the Sermon on the Mount that we talked about when he told us we couldn't offer a sacrifice at the altar if we're holding hardness in our heart against a brother or sister that we were to go and make things right. Or when he taught us that being angry with someone was just as sinful as murder. We are not yet perfect, but we are to be and we will be in God's perfect timing as long as we continue to allow his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. And that means he may need to feel that he has to correct us, to critique us, to cut us back, prune us, so that he can grow us and eventually perfect us. Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are amazing, and we thank you so much for your presence here today. We thank you for the wealth and the health and the opportunity and the freedom that we have. Lord, we ask you to help us to focus our eyes on your eternal prize, to take the spotlight off ourselves. It's only natural. We can't hardly help ourselves, Lord, but we can change, and that's why you come into our lives, why you offer to walk beside us daily, every step of the way, through the hard things, through the bad things, through the things that, that may seem unfair or unacceptable. But Lord Jesus, let us look also at giving thanks and 
recognizing the tremendous blessings, the huge opportunities that you've given us. And Father God, please help us always to look for those who don't know you and help us to remember that they may be watching when we don't recognize and realize it. That they may be looking to us for a hint of an example that we are living the truth of your word. Let us never embarrass you or disgrace you. And when we do, let us come to you right away and ask for forgiveness, knowing that you will give us another chance, a fresh start with a clean and forgiven heart. We love you and we praise you, Lord. And as hard as some of these lessons seem to be, we know that you give them to us through your love and joy and the promised future that you've given each and every one of us who count you as Lord and Savior. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.